Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Malakian, U.S. Editor of Waters, and I am joined by my co-host, James Rundle, News Editor of Waters. Hey, everyone. So, back again. This week, going to discuss an uh, exciting topic, uh, systematic internalizers. I can literally see the joy in your eyes right oh now. Oh, my goodness. Back again to talk about systematic, systematic oh internalizers. <laughs> I, I got to go and get a dictionary to know what those two words mean. And uh, then we will also talk about reg tech. Oh, good buzzword. So we're going to go from That's something great. that no one ever talks about yeah. to something that everybody wants to talk about in the vendor field, you know. This is exactly what I'm doing my Thursday afternoon, man. I can't, I can't wait. And then, of course, Game of Thrones then, you know, because we know that that's really why you guys come. You know, yeah. you guys tolerate this kind of tech talk, but then it's the Game of Thrones uh, yeah. rehash. I don't know what the hell we're going to do when it finishes, but, you know. We'll just talk about old episodes, you know, just start from <laughs> episode one and Rewatch. go on. <laughs> so, uh, should we go internalizers or reg tech first? Uh, let's do internalizers. Let's internalizers. Go Get the news out of the way. So, my colleague sitting across from me wrote an article this week titled uh mifid gears gear god (laughs) mifid gears grind into motion as systematic internalizers emerge my god i need a drink there is literally (laughs) literally no way to make that headline sexy i spent about two hours yesterday thinking is there any way that i can just get no there's no way so this was written by james and our ird colleague uh based out of london jamie hyman so they teamed up to discuss this and why don't you give us a gist? First of all, what is a, a systematic internalizer, and then and then uh, what what's this latest news? Okay, cool. So uh, NSI, as we'll call it for the sake of ease, um, is essentially um, a platform when a bank executes client orders against its own capital. So it's not putting them out to a stock exchange or to a dartboard or anything like that. It's purely executing against itself. Um, so. They've been around for a while. Um, they were put into force in the original Mifid, but uh, no one really used them. I think there were like 11 um, leading up to now, and only really like four of them are any, like, of any decent sort of size, like Goldman and uh, UBS and people like that. Um, what Mifid 2 is doing, however, is in an effort to increase sort of transparency and move stuff from being off exchange towards on exchange, it's saying that if you're more than 0.4%, I think, of trading in yep. a stock, then you have to register as a systematic internalizer. Um, and also that there's a trading obligation for equities and equity-like instruments like ETFs. Um, so they have to trade either through a regulated market like a stock exchange, uh, through a multilateral trading facility, or through a systematic internalizer. So what it's doing is essentially phasing out the old broker crossing networks, which are quite opaque and regulators couldn't really see into them. And there was all kinds of questions about the handling of client orders and whether clients are getting the best price and things like that as well. Um, so the news story that I wrote with Jamie uh, this week was really just looking at um, how banks and big buy-side firms are sort of ramping up for MIFID 2 and getting ready for it by registering over a dozen of these uh, facilities. So it's just showing really that, you know, we've talked theoretically about MIFID 2 for quite a long time, but it's getting close to implementation now and actually these things are starting to happen. It's interesting to see. So it seems like, you know, so there's going to kind of be this explosion of systematic internalizers entering into the field. How will the SI market uh, shape up as we move forward between the various banks and liquidity providers? Yeah, so um, so I spoke to the tab group for the story, and they put out a research note on this, actually by my old editor at Dow Jones, Tim Cave, um, 
who said that there's basically going to be four He's not as good of an editor as I am, right? Well, clearly not. No. Oh, okay, good. Just yeah, want to make he sure. Can't, he can't even grow a beard. Uh, come I mean, come yeah, on. That's that's yeah. <laughs> Hands Sorry down. Uh, and the off chance you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are going to be four types of SI operator. There are going to be the big ultra bulge bucket br- 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 bulge bracket. Bulge bracket banks, and that's it, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> okay, yeah, I've got a voice for print. Um, <laughs> the kind of tier two regional banks uh, and the kind of lesser bulge bracket ones as well, and then also the big um, high-frequency trading firms. So Tower Group was on there, I think, for the recent list, the registered one. Um, and you'll probably see people like Virtues, Citadels, and everyone else. Yeah, Jane Street well. was another one. Jane Street, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so there's probably going to be around sort of 20 big ones. The take-up will very much depend on, I guess, how the buy side views the execution quality and whether they can meet best execution obligations through it and that kind of thing as well. So what Tab reckons is there'll be quite a lot of trading moving onto lit markets um, for the short term at least while they kind of analyze these venues and see how they play out. And then I guess kind of um, same thing as we saw with Seth and everything else. You had an initial explosion, and then you'll see where the yeah. liquidity goes. And, and then contraction. But the thing is, it's not necessarily about the SI itself. Um, it's not really a technology differentiator as such. I mean, this is kind of more of an expression of the balance sheet. So which banks have the capital to use, and can they trade against it, and that kind of thing as well. So there's going to be no prizes for guessing who the winners are going to be. It's going to be your big brokers and your, your big buy-side firms who kind of make markets and rely on that flow to go through. And as as you said, that there's going to be an initial period here of kind of leveling out the field and kind of get everybody kind of getting their heads around it. Are there any discussed upon right now? Are there any uh, potential risk concerns that this expansion of SIs might have, or is it just you know that should be fairly straightforward? No, not at all. Um, I think there's there are still problems with the rules themselves. They're not finished. Um, Mifid's coming into force on January the third. And uh, ESMA is still waiting for approval of its regulatory standards. Um, now, people I've spoken to who are familiar with the European Commission's thinking think that there's going to be a big ruling on it next month. But there are still quite a lot of gaps and sort of uh, quite significant gaps and serious ones actually that determine what category that kind of trading is placed under. Um, so there's the chance, for instance, that you could end up having riskless trading between a bank and a client firm because of other positions in the portfolio. Uh, now, that might just be paying, but that might just be being put through the SI as a kind of order, but then when you look at it in context, that might be classified as a wash trade or another sort of market abuse-style trade as well. So how those kind of activities get um, classified and also how banks sort of do the calculations for determining whether they comprise 0.4% of a stock or whatever are still open questions, really, so there's quite okay. a lot to go. Yeah, no, I think that uh, when uh, I'm finally fired from this job, you know, it could be soon enough. Um, <laughs> that you think? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna write a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically write a, a book about uh, my time in uh, fintech, and it's gonna be called "The Rules Are Not Yet Finalized," and because uh, that <laughs> does seem to be the driving force of uh, of everything. Which great segue here, mm-hmm. and you have to announce that's a great segue. Otherwise, not a great segue, right. but. Um, let's move on to RegTech. Rarely do you get a straight line like that. So Especially when we've been got <laughs> <laughs> So RegTech, um, consultancy uh, called OpenMoss. Um, they put out a new research report titled FinTech Spending and Innovation in Capital Markets. And it does just a good job of, first of all, laying out the the kind of the, the, the FinTech market as a whole, where technology spend is going and um 
when I talked with uh, their uh, CEO, co-founder Octavio, he was saying, you know, we, we were kind of talking just about in the retail, like when I was at American Banker covering retail um, banking, the idea of fintech was very straight up and easy. It was just here are financial technology co- companies that are handling retail technology, essentially. And arguably, that should still be the case, right? I mean, in theory, but it's been it, overcomplicated. In, ca- in capital markets, it's really just been spread out to include everybody from, you know, your startups, you know, your traditional, what are fintech kind of disruptors, to, you know, your Bloomberg's, your uh, Microsoft, your IBM's that are kind of creating these kind of new uh, kind of tools specifically for capital markets, yeah. um, but that are competing both against the startups and trying to replace, you know, bank uh, technology and banks and asset managers are starting to view themselves more and more as technology companies in a lot of ways, which is goes completely against what they would have called themselves just five to eight years ago. So in capital market space, a little bit more confused on the fintech, but so they say that, you know, in the capital markets, uh, 127 billion um, in 2017, uh, will be spent on IT across all market participants in capital markets. And then they break it down between um, six different categories. Uh, pre-trade, which uh, comes at $41.7 billion. At-trade, $33.3 billion. Post-trade, $21.9 billion. Um, risk uh, pulls in something, I think, around uh, yeah, 23.6. And they got this uh, the capital structure, which is just all manual stuff. So that's only $2.5 billion. But then you have the reg tech side of it, and the reg tech side is poised to see the most growth as we go forward. And for me, what I found to be most interesting about it was the reason why is because the reason, one reason, one big reason why the reg tech space is going to potentially see a lot more investment is there was so many, the, these rules weren't finalized, that there was so much question. In the US, there's starting to be a settling down uh regulation that the the seas are starting to become a little more calmer when mifid 2 finally gets put in place you'll have some you know this thing's been talked yeah. about for a long time it's you'll the have the last big one of the post-crisis sort of sure things, isn't it? Yeah. so and there's a lot of you know standardization it, there's still plenty of, it doesn't exist there but there is a lot of standardization that's, that's kind of being built around these things so you know i spoke with one um one uh, operations executive uh, who told me that, you know, we're not, we're not, and he's at a big bank, and he's like, we're not going to spend on, you know, some fancy new, you know, uh, piece of technology platform from a vendor when these rules, it, it takes us a good two years to really, after they've been implemented, to really figure out what's going on. You know, that's one thing they learned, you know, with Dodd Frank and much less, you know, what they're going to be doing with MIFID 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Octavio said something very similar that, you know, you can't really have a ton of investment until there is some sort of kind of everybody understands what the playing field looks like. Um, And so that will probably drive a lot of the investment going forward. Um, Obviously, it's something that we've been talking about. We hear a lot about. It does feel like 2017, 2016, 15 was the kind of blockchain explosion. Reg tech, 2016 and 17, seems like it's going to be the reg tech, you know, kind of explosion that we're going to see now. I did actually write a column about this a few months ago, I think, um, where I had this on a point. It was just like, you know, once this knee-jerk reaction to regulation and, and having to put quick fixes in to meet sort of quick rules calms down, you might find actually that, you know, there's a lot more innovation that's probably actually spurred by the incumbents rather than the startups necessarily. Because yeah. they now have the resources to 
heavily focus on actual sort of solid technology solutions moving forward for the compliance space or, or other sort of areas of reg tech, I guess. Sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some of these emerging technologies which get overused, but, you know, you look at something like blockchain can help on the regulatory compliance reporting end mm -hmm. of things. Um, we've seen with IBM, we spoke about this previously on a podcast, but th their use of machine learning, artificial intelligence, um, or cognitive uh, technologies, as they call it, um, that it's very effective for things like AML, KYC, fraud detection, um, you know, kind of that kind of uh, piece of regulation. So you would imagine that kind of going forward that there's the vast majority of investment will still be on the trading aspects of the capital markets. That will yeah. always be the case. But there is uh, room for both disruptive startups um, to kind of jump into the space. And Octavio gave me um, two that he that jumped out for him. He said, um, so in something like financial crime sector, you have your nice Actimize, NASDAQs, FIS, and Bloomberg. You know, everybody well uses them, well-established. Yeah. Um, winners of a bunch of our awards, stuff like that. But, um, and then you have IBM jump in the space. But um, Octavio Morenzi, he said that you have upstarts like, and these, I'm not in love with it, some of the names, but Behavox, B-E-H-A-V-O-X, um, Trading Hub, one word, and cybernetics, which sounds like an L. Ron Hubbard book. Cybernetics but. was uh, acquired by Nasdaq, actually. Um, oh, was it? Weeks ago, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. S Y B E N E T I X. Yeah, they're really interesting. They're behavioral analytics, um, folks on the buy side, and um, they put behavioral science, mesh it with sort of surveillance and compliance and that kind of thing. But yeah, Nasdaq bought them for. Uh, Quite significant amount, actually, so you have these startups that are already kind of, you know, relatively new mm -hmm. companies that are already getting bought up by big guys to add to their capabilities. So similar to um, the systemic internalizers, that there will be this expansion yeah. and consolidation, similar thing that we're going to see in Ray Tech. A lot of people you think will flood into the market, and then there'll be a and natural buy-up. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, it's interesting, actually. Um, I was in Boston earlier this week talking to um, the IT director of a small hedge fund, but a very much a growing one. There's a double-digit billion AUM, um, and we were talking about emerging technologies like AI and everything else. And he was saying, "You know what? I'm interested in it, and we've got like an advisory board like telling us where it's going to go and where we should be looking at it. But I'm pretty much waiting to see the startups and the incumbents fight it out and sort of develop it themselves because we'll just kind of go off the back of what they do. Sure. So, um, you know, we talk about the big bite size and the big banks looking at this but for the smaller guys who make up the bulk of the market I guess like they're kind of like just waiting to see who the winner is and I guess that will determine the direction of where these emerging technologies go and where this reg, that reg tech space develops as well sure and I, let me just also be out there on the record I hate the term reg tech oh, hate, hate it, it. Yeah. You can't stand it it's fintech it's fintech you know yeah. Fintech is just supposed to be talk about what we do. I, I like the whole, it just means financial technology, and yeah, can exactly. we just call it's it? Just, it sounds a little <laughs> less fusty. Yeah. That sounds great at Cybos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but we're going to have to write about it. Everybody likes to click on it. I think I mentioned this before. So, you know, you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, yeah, you do. And another great transition. Give another the people one. what they want. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of I finished watching the episode, and... Um, I kind of I woke up in a panic at about half past eleven on Sunday, thinking, "Christ, I'm watch this. I've got to do it." And then, like my wife was kind of going, "Why the hell are you watching this?" At, you know, midnight. Like, yeah. <laughs> I finished the episode. I thought uh, it felt like a bit like a bridging episode, really. Like they were setting lots of things up to go through. But then afterwards, I thought, actually, that was actually a really cracking episode. It was. Really See, I, 
Maybe I gotta watch again because mm-hmm. again, pool night pool doesn't night. Yeah. lead well yeah. to watching it um, undisturbed. <laughs> um, but they were just jumping around so much. Yeah. Each scene, they're in a different section of this world, you know, of yeah. Westeros, and it was really tough to follow along. It was, yeah. It was. And yeah, for me, it was way too much and way too quickly moving pieces. I feel like yeah. that this. It's funny. I usually uh, bitch and moan about you know that they don't move fat more quickly on some of these storylines. Well, this is one where I'm like, guys. I mean, yeah, we're, take we're a breath. Come on, you know, just I was just kind of going through it, and so you have you know, Bron and Jamie. You have uh, Randall and Dick and Tarly, um, <laughs> uh, John and Dragon, uh, Jorah and Danny. You have. Uh, uh, Sam Tarley and uh, his um, wife, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, you have Arya Sansa. You have Gendry Davos. Uh, Cersei and Jamie discussing Arya and Littlefinger going on. Uh, there was just so much in that uh, thing. Was a l- it was setting up a lot of things, wasn't it? I think that's kind of. Yeah. It was tough. It was. It was. It was a bit much. And, also a and again, of, the whole jumping scene, the scene as well, like they kind of glossed over. Oh yeah, like pretty much. Like I don't understand. First of all, why the fuck they're going north of the wall with Beric Dondarrion and his band of merry men, which like they were in a jail cell, and then everyone argues about why they should be in a jail cell, and Jon Snow just goes, "Whatever, let them out." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go north of the wall, guys. Come on. Got this it. Is it. Yeah. Cool um, new buddy cop uh, spin-off. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that like thing with um, Sam Tarly's kind of um, whatever her name is, I've forgotten as well. Uh, where she just dropped that thing about uh, the Targaryen prince getting his marriage yeah. held, and it's like I just felt like they kind of they didn't really have time for it. We thought actually we've got to put this in, just quickly put it in there. Yeah. Um, we'll know, get to this next we'll episode. To, Don't worry about it. I, I still liked it. I think mainly because. Yeah, I have recently rewatched a lot of it, so I'm quite fresh and up to date on all the things that are going on. I think somebody who watches it casually and every week and sort of hasn't rewatched it would have struggled to have kept up with everything that was going on. I think so. It's yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was good. Um, well, I yeah. I can't stand. First of all, Sam Charlie, I I can't yeah. stand him. I this Stupid guy, he better be killed. I I can't remember who said it, but um. Or where I read it, but it just basically compared him to uh, Herman Melville's Bartleby the Scrivener. Yeah. I would prefer not to. You know, it's like this is your job. This is what you came here for. Well, you there's, know? there's a theory, isn't there, that Tarly's actually the narrator of the entire series? Because um, you know that introduction sequence where you have that weird chandelier thing at the beginning. Sure. That's almost exactly the same as the one that's in the the Maester's Hall. Okay. And uh, there was that whole exchange between the Grand Maester or the Archmaester or whatever and Tarly, where he's going on about the title of the book and um, he's writing history of the War of the Thrones or whatever. And, Sam goes, oh, you can make it a bit sexier than that, like Game of Thrones. <laughs> so there's a theory that actually this is all Sam Tarly's kind of recitation of what happened during that, and he's actually the narrator of the whole thing. Yeah, okay. so. At least I guess he has some use in this then. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I, God, I can't stand him. Arya and Sansa, can't stand them. Yeah, little sibling this, rivalry this, thing going yeah, on here. Th- I thought they buried that, and the whole thing's going to be the Stark family actually starting to kick ass now. And now Again, the Stark family to deserves to die. Littlefinger, yeah, yeah. you got he's playing the Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah, he yeah, knows yeah. how to play the Game of Thrones. Arya's going to get played in here. He's Littlefinger setting this up to team his sister. I get with that memo that he yeah, yeah. intentionally hid. That she was make it make it look like Sa- yeah. uh, Sansa was uh, you know going against uh, mm-hmm. Ned Stark. This is all he's playing this so well, and the Starks as usual. Are falling into this. Yep, and John's just completely 
abdicated all responsibility and just you know done he's cool with the dragon which you know i guess he's got that dragon blood in him but the thing know. i don't get as well is why everyone's so cool with him just abandoning his posters like the grandmaster of the night's watch sure. i thought the whole point was that you signed up for that for life and the only yeah. way you, i know he died technically and so therefore discharge his obligation but everyone's just like oh you quit the wall cool and then he goes just gallivanting off again and yeah you know, the whole uh, gendry, like, because I had to have Alice explain to me, I was Robert Baratheon's son. Like, that one, I was like, I don't understand well, what that was happening. Like season right one, yeah, exactly. Like, being going, like, like guys, I drink way too much to be able to <laughs> remember on, this man. kind of thing <laughs> here, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then um, the only thing I liked was, uh, again, Tywin Lannister, greatest character, yep. greatest ruler, the, yep. the man that, you know, really knew how to lead his family before getting shot in the toilet. Um, Cersei saying to Jamie uh, that. Uh, maybe a pairing with Daenerys isn't out of the question because it's what father would have wanted, you know. Yeah, it's what he would have done, kind Same. of thing. And then that little thing of don't betray me again. Yeah. Like, like sinister kind of touch to it. It's... And then when um, Daenerys had uh, Randall and Dick and Charlie burned by uh, the dragon. That was cold. It's cold, man. Yeah. And again, I'm telling you all, you all better recognize, you will be rooting against Daenerys Targaryen. She will become evil. Cersei will be the one that you're going to be rooting well, for by the end like, of this. Varys was just like, yeah, don't burn people alive, dude. That's what led to this whole <laughs> stupid situation in the first place. So just don't do it. Cool. Yeah, yeah thanks. Bye. So a lot going on. Anything else jump out from you from the episode? Uh, John and the Dragon. Obviously, we the whole Targaryen signs are getting the closer and closer. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's pretty cool. I mean, so you had John and Daenerys episode before having this kind of you know, will they, won't yeah. they in the cave? Then the kind of the dragon and John are kind of getting it on there a little bit, looking at each other like, hey, you know what's going on there? Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> also, really clever name. Um, <laughs> really, yeah. really dug down deep into the name bank for that yeah, one there. Yeah. It just reminds me of. Um, that stupid <laughs> they made a while back I think you were on holiday but it was the um, it was when they invaded Casterly Rock and uh, Tyrion's going on about this little sort of um, chamber he built underneath Casterly Rock to bring his kind of whores in and that kind of thing yeah. and then I think someone just went so you, you built a Hodor <laughs> <laughs> yeah there we yep. go that's it yeah. see for me I was thinking of the what was that stupid movie uh, Avatar with uh, that the, the, the way the, the name of this element that they were mining this planet oh, for yeah, was yeah. unobtainium and unobtainium like, <laughs> that's the best you could do guys. well Come done yeah. well done god your oscars in the post so uh speaking of unobtainium no i got no good <laughs> transition here we're gonna get into politics just for a moment feel free to tune us out if yep. uh if you want to now but this just you know watching everything that happens um down in virginia um and the president's, first of all, lack of reaction. Yeah. Then two days later, a reaction. And then just goes and counters that, you know, just, where you should have just left well enough and good. And I'm probably getting really angry at this because, like most red-blooded humans, I hate Nazis. I pretty fucking. I mean, Nazis. that's that's not a controversial <laughs> statement. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the default state is don't support Nazis. Yeah. And... I mean, these are literal Nazis. They were carrying swastika. Flags. Carrying swastikas, um, chanting "Blood and Soil," which is German for "Blut und Boden," which means natural body, blood, yeah. uh, settled area, soil. It was. It is the like neo-Nazi rallying cry. Yeah, it's literally Nazis. And they're <laughs> doing the Hail Hitler salutes. This, there's, the, you can't distance yourself from this. Yeah, okay, and you can't. 
not criticizing it is the same as tacitly supporting it. And this isn't just a fucking, excuse my language, sorry, I'm getting angry about this. But this <laughs> isn't just a um, this isn't just a left wing view. This isn't a right wing view. This yeah. isn't a centrist view. It's if you don't oppose Nazism, you are giving it tacit support by unracism and discrimination of any kind. Sure. And I do not understand why the present the president of the United States. Let's think about that for a second. The president of the United States is not immediately coming out and going, these maniacs are not Americans and yeah. they do not represent us. When I apply for my green card, there's a form you have to fill out called I-485. Um, and I mean, there's hundreds of forms, but this is the most important one. It has all of your kind of uh, your background um, and all your sort of checklists for eligibility to come into the country. And one of those questions is, did you support the Nazi party during 1945? <laughs> yes, you are not allowed in the country. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is this okay? Yeah. Like, people have to learn, they have to realize that not all speech is protected. And especially yeah. not freedom of freedom of speech doesn't apply to those who seek to restrict the freedom of speech of others. And these and also fascists, if you're looking yeah. to incite violence, and if which you is and if you literally murder people, this yeah. guy ran a car into a um, into a sidewalk full of protesters. Yeah. Today, a guy ran a van into a sidewalk full of civilians in Barcelona. It's yeah. being called a terrorist incident within seconds. Seconds. Yeah. This was not called a terrorist incident. Why not? Because yeah. the guy's white. Because yeah. he's uh, a white American, I guess. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it... I don't understand. And when you're marching alongside the Confederate flag, mm. they were a defeat. They tried to uh, destroy the United States of America. Yeah. Fought a war with the United States of America. They were a terrorist organization back in the day. Yeah. The Confederate flag is their flag. I understand the difficulties around when the the Confederate flag is used inside of it, like in Mississippi or something like that, where that piece of the flag is in the state flag. And there is certainly a good discussion that we can have about history and stuff like that. Yeah. And but what well, the other thing that's driving nuts is right now with these monuments, everybody's losing their we're losing American history. Most of those monuments, go and look at when they were created, when they were built. They were not built in the 1800s. They were built in most, the majority of these monuments were built between about 1915, 1930, and then between 1950 or post-World War II, 1945, um, into the 1960s. As a way of saying, basically a way of saying, listen... Black guys, we know you want to have your uh, voting rights and all that. You know, you want to have this equal, but yeah, yeah. this is a symbol to you to make sure. It's a cynical political statement. It's not a remembrance of history, and I've got no problem with that. Like you know, the Civil War was part of American history, and it's part of your national character. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you're exactly right. These monuments were not put up as in that spirit. They were put up as a sign of, I mean, at the very least, with a hint of racial intolerance and a hint of kind of us versus them and all that division. And it's just. It, there should be only one flag that you are honoring. If you're going to call yourself an American, true-blooded American, that is the American flag. That American flag was dead set at war with the Confederate and the Confederate flag. You cannot, you cannot reconcile both. No. And you especially can't reconcile the American flag and the fucking Nazi flag. Right? And you know, like, when Jesus. you are in a march and you have those flags next to each other, those groups of people, white supremacists and Nazis next to each other. This isn't an, it, it, there isn't a both sides. There isn't a many sides to this as the president wants to try and say and wants to keep on defending. Listen, I hate extremist anarchist lefts. Yeah. And when they 
bomb something or they tear, you know, tear, um, uh, go through and terrorize a street or with uh, violence and rioting and stuff. The black block of protest, which always yeah. disrupts them. We yeah. hate those guys. You know, it's, yeah. And it's like, or the extremists of, your, you have Black Lives Matter, which is a legitimate movement. You have the, the guys that want to go and shoot cops mm -hmm. as part of that movement. Those are terrorists. Yeah. We can all agree on this. We don't have to turn this into a Republican-Democrat thing. Our president can't understand this. And this is the other thing. Republican after Republican came out saying that this is vile. This is, we are not for this. Yeah. And they didn't say his name or whatever, so I'm fine. We can argue about that, whether they should say Trump's name or something. But now we're, we have to understand that this is not a Republican and Democrat thing. We have to start having some sort of sanity here where we're going to say Nazis and white supremacists, bad. We can all yeah. agree on this, right? Can we move forward exactly. from this? Stop flirting with him and come yeah. out. And I know he gave that kind of disavowal of him, but then that's been trampled on by the fact that he went back two days later and doubled down on his, well, it was the left as well. Yeah. No, no, was, no. yeah. Sorry, guys. It was the Nazis. Yeah. It was the traitors who yeah. were carrying. The car that was speeding into that group of protesters, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were protesting legally. They were protesting Nazis and white supremacists, yeah. by the way, which I, again, the only, if, if, a, if one of those protests goes and punches a Nazi in the face, I just hope that he made a good closed fist and a sturdy uh, wrist, you know, somebody puts up. And it's like, absolutely. You're carrying the battle flag of a mortal enemy of this country. Yes. I mean, like, where millions 400,000 Americans, 405-plus thousand Americans died in World War II, many of whom died fighting the Nazis in the European front. Yeah. What the fuck are you... There, yeah. Let's start... Let's not say, oh, well, you have also Black Lives Matter. No, these are not comparable things. No, this is not in writing. This was a genocidal regime that uh, the majority of the right-thinking world united to fight against. Yes. Even if there'd be one thing in the world that has ever brought together the United States and the Soviet Russia. Yeah. the Nazis. You know yeah. I mean, come on. It's, uh, they were seen as worse than the communists. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> um, it's insane. And I don't understand why in 2017 we are having this discussion about... A Nazi protest in Char in Charlottesburg, in Virginia, and this is such an issue. There was a great Rolling Stone op-ed today that just said, "We have got this can't happen. This just can't be allowed to happen. Sure. The president cannot be allowed to equivocate on this. There is too much work to be done in American society around institutionalized racism, about racial tensions that we've seen over the last few years in Baltimore and everywhere else. That we cannot allow the president of the United States to be somehow seen as being too-minded on this issue." It's time for him to go. Yeah. That's what we said. You know. Yeah, and well, 2020 can't come soon enough, and you know, hopefully the midterms that people make. You know, if you aren't as a Republican mm. staunchly against this, I'm not voting for you. Yeah, you need my vote in many times. Well, actually, I live in New York. You, 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 you won't win. Never mind. Um, but, <laughs> but these are things that we, as a, as a nation, we need to start having discussion. I mean, there's going to be plenty of people are listening. You know, it's the whole uh, stick to sports, stick to what, you know, stick to fintech, stuff like that. Well, we do have this, you know, yeah. some of you might care. You can always turn off if you don't. So. Exactly. And, but there is also, th this extends to everything our companies. You've seen the CEOs that are leaving his manufacturing council, CEO council, everybody saying, we're this, this is not, yeah. this is not who we are as Americans. And, um, so not only that, but it's antithetical to everything that banks work towards, everything we write about, and every trading firm goes on about meritocracy, and we talk about diversity, and we talk about everyone being equal um, under the kind of the cold gaze of the P and L sheet, essentially. So you know, you are worth what you produce. Yeah. That's capitalism. 
the kind of ideology and the attitude that these people espouse is completely antithetical to what everyone in this industry works towards pretty much and it should be seen as that so uh, you know i think it is important to have these conversations and it should form part of the discussion around the industry we've got to be able to have this discussion we've got to be able to have this open free-flowing discussion and and staunchly say no we do not agree with it so if people here every it's important for people across this country to say no we do not agree with it that is such a small 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 subculture yeah. of swine in our country yeah. and unfortunately our president is backing them over the rest of of americans and you know, if you if and if you're caring about these some of these monuments that are being torn down, it's called a book. If you go read Team of Rivals, okay, go read why Lincoln allowed for some of the Confederacy leaders to not be hung, because he understood that to make the United States great, to bring it together, back together, yeah. he understood that there had to be some concessions made rather than just being a tyrannical authoritarian and come down with an iron fist on the entire South. Yeah. Read and understand your history this country's history start with team of rivals there are millions of books that you can go from there on um and there's this thing called the internet so calm down with your whole monuments and go go have get a grip go put a statue of stonewall in your living room and then you can have your kid learn all about it from there but in public spaces sorry go to the public library if you actually want to be able to learn about the confederacy right exactly all right well so uh (laughs) Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, you know, with this president, you never know what the hell's going to happen. Maybe we'll be dead next week. Uh, yeah, who knows? Um, solar eclipse. My girlfriend is, um, she is flying out to Chicago on Sunday or Saturday. And then on Sunday, she's going to make a decision based on weather reports, whether to go to Omaha, Nashville, or, um, I think St. Louis to go watch the eclipse. Yeah, and she's going to buy the best, uh, yeah. View of it, isn't it? yeah, and or at least in the Midwest. I, I guess I don't know. Uh, the Pacific Northwest also is supposed to be uh, pretty beautiful, and Idaho's being apparently flooded with uh, people. But uh, so at least we have this beautiful thing that we'll all look up in the sky. You know, <laughs> Nazis and you know Americans alike can all look up in the we sky can and get to see the sun gets swallowed up by the void. <laughs> we can stare into that void and just think maybe we shouldn't go there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. We enjoy we enjoyed this conversation. I don't know if you did, but um, <laughs> we'll be back next week uh, with uh, more fintech talk, hopefully less political talk. Yeah. Um, but until then, uh, enjoy your weekend, enjoy the eclipse. Yeah. Nice.